At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome, everyone, to the From the Shadows podcast. I'm your host, Shane Grove. And uh, before we get started with the episode, I want to give everybody a Jason, the super producer, uh, update. Um, he's still getting better. He's getting stronger. And he wants me to send everybody uh, his thanks for their thoughts and prayers. He thinks they're really, uh, really helping him out. So as he as he continues with his uh, rehabilitation and he promises he's he's going to be back soon. He promises. Now, he's kind of a liar, but we, I won't say that in front of him, you know, but yes, he promises he'll uh, he'll be back soon. So I'm going to hold him at his at his word for once. So uh, before we get started, I also want to remind everybody, if you have a paranormal or a crazy story you want to share with us, come find us at uh, From the Shadows podcast on Facebook, our forum page after the shadows on Facebook. You can find me at Shane Grove author on Instagram or from the shadows podcast page on Instagram. And we finally got our uh, contact page on our uh, from the shadows podcast website fixed. So now I will get the emails directly. So if you got a story, go in there, type to your heart's content, send it to me. I, I promise I'll get to see it. So uh, but this our guest t- today is. Someone I, I just I just because I listen to podcasts all day while I'm working. So I just got introduced to this gentleman's podcast. And um, once we get into it and start talking about his show, uh, you'll understand why I think everybody's going to want to go listen to his show, because it's very cool, especially for us in this in the age group of the host. 
uh, you're going to have some of the stuff that he talks about and, and the guest he has on the show really warm will really warm your heart because it will bring back lots of good memories. So from the Monstrosity podcast, welcome to the show, David Race. Hey, I like that. Uh, the guests will warm your heart thing. I, you know, so I have a lot of really incredibly beautiful women from our past on the show and warm your heart is one way to put it. Um, um, off the top of my head, uh, yeah. Lonnie Anderson, right? Uh, right Catherine Bach, yep, Catherine two. Bach, uh, Mackenzie Phillips. Three. Um, I mean, I, I'll, I'll continue. Can I continue the list? Go ahead. Cause all you're doing is, is wetting the appetite for our male viewers or okay. listeners, I guess. I guess. Well, this one's a little, I don't know. It seems like it's funny when you talk about someone who's actually really currently in the middle of their careers, it somehow it's the more obscure person to mention but tanya ramond who's the really hot chick on um billy bob thornton's amazon show goliath she plays uh, like a like a prostitute paralegal uh, sidekick of his on goliath she was on my show uh she's also in deep blue c3 she's in uh, deep blue c she's in texas chainsaw massacre three lots of things um and then we had uh lydia cornell from too close to comfort uh too close for comfort from the 80s um, we was had, she the was she the dark haired one or the, uh, the blonde? blonde the blonde the blonde okay okay uh, we had who else came in I'm blanking out now oh um, oh oh Audrey Landers from Dallas was on um, she's one of the Landers sisters Judy and oh Audrey yeah Landers. oh yeah um, I'm blank I'm really blanking out now there's too many hot women who come <laughs> on the show they, I, I'm getting lost well let, let's just say there's a um, a lot of hot a lot Jody, of Jody Sweeten was on recently from Full House. She's grown up nicely. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and for our female listeners, and we have a ton of female listeners, you know, um, the one episode I, that, that I just listened to was Adrian Zemet. Yes. Adrian Zemet. And, uh, he was great because I have this, uh, innate ability. If I may pat myself on the back for a minute, uh, sure. of getting, not just paranormal stories out of these celebrities, which they, they and we never screen them for that, by the way. It's not a requirement that the celebrity come with a paranormal story. They just often seem to have one or don't even kind of know they have one until I ask the right question and suddenly they do. Um, so that that's one thing. But the other thing I, I, I get out of them is I tend with my questions to get uh, unusual information out of them that they, they never seem to have told anyone else before. And Adrian's med ended up telling me about Heather Locklear another beauty that we can discuss um, and how <laughs> Heather Locklear every day on the set would take her pants off and moon him. I, I can confirm that. that yeah. you, not that she was mooning me on the set. I can confirm that he told that story. That was yeah. brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I, and I, my response was, you know, well, that was more than adequate compensation. I mean, you didn't need any additional <laughs> salary. then. <laughs> I'm not sure how far you go as an agent if you were like, you know, negotiating for your client that way. But hey, you know, whatever works. Right? Well, it's funny. Yeah. I think he took the bait when I said that, and I think he, I think he kind of put on the persona of an agent for a second and said something <laughs> like, "Let's up that to three moons a day." You know, I think he did say oh, something. Oh yeah. Like that. Yep. Yep. That was fantastic. And and so um, and so so we'll just you know we'll get into let's let's so the so your podcast. I, now I haven't gone back and listened to the very first first few episodes, but it sounded like originally you had everybody in the same location, and so that's how the the paranormal stuff kind of bounced off the 
you know, celebrities. Right. Well, the, the, yeah, the, the, the origin story of this podcast is that, um, or, or wait, I was going to ask this. What is the genesis uh, yeah, yeah, so you caught that joke. My running inside <laughs> every episode now has a Genesis reference of some kind. The band Genesis, um, and it's because I'm the most obsessed Genesis fan in the world. And at some point, I don't remember which episode it was. Midway through this, you know, series, I've done like twenty something episodes. So at some point, like halfway through them, I started noticing that I, I keep kind of accidentally working Genesis into things I'm saying, and then it became funny to me to do it intentionally. <laughs> and some of the ways that I've crowbarred them in have just I've loved like listening back to them. Like, was, I remember one case. I was talking to some woman who was at the Rendlesham Forest UFO incident. In oh dear England. God! Okay, I haven't and heard this it, one. I haven't heard this it, one. How how do you? She was there in 1980, and you know, and then she's telling me, you know, she's there for the real thing. You know, she knows all those guys from the Rendlesham thing, and she had her own experiences at Rendlesham that haven't been publicly talked about really. So she had great stories, and um. She's very straight laced, you know, military type. And and then at some point she just happens to say something like, uh, she's like reflecting on what happened. And she says something like, um, so I think I had just gotten back to England. I had visited the United States. I was seeing my family or something. I had just gotten back to England. She goes, it was June of, um, of 1978. And I landed and I drove from London over to Bentwaters. And, you know, she's just telling her story like that. And I, at the end of like a, you know, a minute or two of that, I stopped her and I go, so it was June of 78? And she goes, yes. I go, did you stop and see Genesis at Nebworth? <laughs> and, and she just goes, what? And I go, she goes, the band? She goes, Phil Collins, the band? I go, yes, Genesis. Did you? They played Nebworth that month. Did you stop and see them? And she goes, no, no. She goes, but I'm a big fan. Like she was just taking it back, just puzzled. <laughs> and, uh, and I go, uh, great show. I go, Tom Petty opened, Jefferson Starship opened. I go, this is some very good, very good bootlegs of it. You know, and then we just went back to UFOs. I go, like the crowbarring in of Genesis, you know. <laughs> I love it. Though. But, but they, hey, but there you know then. If people were really listening to your listen to your show, you know right. what I'm saying. So, like, I when I say I've listened to the episodes, I'm not just blowing smoke. I have listened to to a handful of episodes, and I true truly enjoy them. And I enjoy I enjoy your sense of humor, which probably helps because you are a comedian by trade, right? Yes, yes I am. I'm, I'm previously a disc jockey. I was a radio disc jockey in New York, Philadelphia, for a long time. Um, turned comedian um, and then moved to Los Angeles and continued being a comedian and now seem to have found my way back to, you know, sort of radio. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah um, exactly. But, but the, the, uh, what was going to say, so the Genesis thing, yeah, it's a running joke. And, and, you know, of all of the, you know, with all the beautiful women that have come in on the show, which I love, that's, I mean, I, I joked on, I think the Daisy Duke episode, I think I said to her, I go, it's, it's like the the posters from my teenage wall come walking in. You know? I mean, it's it's just it's such a weird thing to be sitting three feet away from Daisy Duke suddenly, and, and it's like you you were on my wall for a long time. What are you doing here? You know, um, and it, but that as thrilling as all of that is, I don't think any episode you know got me going, got me more excited, not sexually, but just you know excited in general. Then when I had Steve Hackett from Genesis on the show. I have not heard that. I mean, that your mind had to be, how could you even function? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was unreal. <laughs> I, it, in fact, we, I went out of sequence. We, at the time, 
here's an inside thing I've never told anywhere in any interview. Uh, at the time, I always opened the episodes with, you know, blah, 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 blah. It's episode number six or whatever, whatever number it was, you know. Um, and then the Steve Hackett thing fell into our lap. We, we had Steve Hackett, like, wanting to do the show. And I had just recorded a different episode that we were about to release. And, like, it was, so let's, I don't remember the days, but let's just, you know, hypothetically, uh, you know, yeah. Tuesday I recorded what I thought would be the next episode. Thursday I find out Steve Hackett wants to do the show in a couple days, that kind of thing. And he and he needs it released, you know, in the next week or two because he's promoting tour dates. It was that type of situation. So, so I said, I'm not turning down Steve Hackett. This is like the most exciting thing ever. So I, I went and recorded Steve Hackett. But at that point, I had been introducing the episodes with numbers, like it's episode six, it's episode five, whatever it was, and I had already recorded the episode that should be next in the sequence. And now I suddenly had Steve Hackett booked and needed to put his out first before the one I just recorded. So. I referred to that that episode as a wild card episode. <laughs> I didn't give it a number. I just like the audience was probably like, "What? What the hell is he talking about?" I just I was like, "It's a wild card." They they don't even know what the hell I'm talking about. They don't know when I recorded things. Yeah, uh, but I, it was my only way to explain why the show would have otherwise been out of sequence if I went. This is, you know, if I if I said here this is episode ten, and then the next, you know, time I released one, it was episode nine. So I had to, I had to yeah, call the, it a wild card episode. The, the, the uh, super bonus episode. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. So I called it a wild card. And, but anyway, yeah, it, it was beyond thrilling to me. And, and any Genesis fan listening to this, listen to me talk to Steve Hackett. You will never, ever hear Steve Hackett ask better Genesis questions than I asked him. It would, he, I think he almost stopped and said, this is unbelievable. I mean, like, I, I am that deep into Genesis and, he credited me with this. He acknowledged this on Twitter because he's he's right. I, I am I am responsible. Steve Hackett, his big thing now is he goes on tour and he plays, you know, like 3000 seaters around the, the world, the U.S. included, um, doing uh, mostly Genesis songs, mostly a Genesis show. You know, he has a very good band. They play note for note accurately, the Genesis stuff. And he tends to focus on particular periods like like you'll do a certain Genesis album, start to finish, that kind of thing. And I said to him on my show, why don't you do the live album, Genesis's uh, Seconds Out live album, the last thing you were ever on. Why don't you do that whole double album straight through next time? You know, because it just seemed to me obvious that he hadn't gotten to that and it was glaringly the right choice because it has all the right songs. And he goes, that's a great idea. He goes, that's a very, very good idea. Within a month, they announced the seconds out tour, and and then I tweeted at him, you know, hey, you know, uh, listen to Steve Hackett on my show, blah blah blah, you know, where I give him this idea, and he he tweeted back, that's correct, <laughs> like he acknowledged that I, I'm responsible for this. Oh, that's fantastic! So, so those of you who are going to see the Steve Hackett tour that's going on right now, the seconds out tour, it was my idea. <laughs> oh, I love, it. hey, I love it, and that's. That's the beauty of, you know, like, like for me doing the podcast to get to meet some of the people that, uh, like in the paranormal field that I'm big, big fans of, or big followers of, and kind of become friends with them, you know, and I'm sure out there, I mean, you live out in California, like you said, you're a comedian, so you are rubbing elbows with famous people probably more often than, than not. 
Right. And so it, it probably takes a lot for you to get starstruck. And just hearing you tell tell that story about that situation, I can tell that that meant a lot. I mean, that's oh, probably. Oh, yeah. Now, I, listen, it was, I mean, I, I mean, it was just, a, I mean, the whole idea that a guy from Genesis walks around the street right now and someone could walk up to him and go, Hey, uh, what do you think of that David Race guy? The fact that Steve Hackett would go, oh, yeah, good guy. I like him. The, the, the idea is Steve Hackett would know who I am. It blows my mind. Oh, <laughs> uh, so, okay. So let's, let's get into then why the paranormal, like how did the paranormal, uh, how did this all happen? Yeah. How did, how did this all happen? How did, how did this so, get to so a, a comedian how. in California? Yeah, here's how. Former, I, I, former got, 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 got the full answer for you. All right. Um, so it's going to be, it's going to go, I'm going to back pretty far, but I'm going to give you the whole answer. Cause it, cause there's a, there's a podcast before the one that I'm, right now I'm doing monstrosity with David race. That's the podcast we've been talking about the last mm-hmm. few minutes. And there was a podcast predating this one before this one called comedians talking about Bigfoot. That was the first podcast I ever did. And I did that one in 15 and um, 2015. I did seven episodes and then I, I got a TV deal out of that one really quick. And I ended up doing a TV pilot with the guys from Monster Quest um, based on that show. And that pilot, uh, we shot it for a week and then we were working on it in various ways for quite a while after that. And it ended up not selling. Um, and then it was after that whole period um and that that podcast was had happened that tv pilot had happened was after like you know a year gone by or whatever it was that that i was you know uh or a couple years gone by between the podcast and the tv thing um that i returned to podcasting i think in 2018 and when i came back to podcasting i decided comedians talking about bigfoot was Bigfoot only didn't go into other things. Didn't go to ghosts, UFOs. Didn't go to any of that. And it was the the format was me, a couple comedians I know, whoever I felt like grabbing from around town in LA, and um, and a paranormal guy, usually on the on the phone. That was so it would be like um, it would be me in studio, two comedians I know in studio, and then on the phone, Bobo from Finding Bigfoot. That that was sort of a typical episode. Um, and then. When I came back to doing podcasting and I came back to and created Monstrosity with David Race, I decided that Monstrosity would be broader than Bigfoot. It would be Bigfoot, one episode, UFOs, the next one, Ghosts, the next one, Loch Ness Monster, next one, back to Bigfoot, that kind of thing. And I also decided that it wouldn't necessarily be just comedians. It would be celebrities in the more general sense, as opposed to just comedians. Um, so the first batch of episodes, maybe you know, somewhere around 10 episodes, um, were all pre-COVID. They were all recorded before COVID. And and one of the beautiful things about LA is that you can, you have celebrities in town. So you were, you know, you were able to get people to come in. So I was doing, you know, I was doing this really neat triangular combo of me and Shadow Stevens in the room together. And then on the phone, you know, the guy from the Mutual UFO Network. You know, and it became a very interesting dynamic of Shadow Stevens and me talking to a UFO guy. Um, and then COVID happened. I think Shadow is the last episode before COVID. Then COVID happens, and the format changes a bit to what it is now. Everyone's on ISDN, which is like a technical term for like the you know a fed in audio line. Like yeah, not, yeah, and, yeah. And, and so now the 
the celebrity is done as a separate segment from the Bigfoot guy. So now it's if hypothetically I did one with Shadow Stevens tomorrow, it would be me and Shadow Stevens for a half hour. Thanks, Shadow. Good, good night. On to Bobo from Finding Bigfoot, and then I a half hour with him. So they they don't interact. They don't cross cross over with each other like they used to pre-COVID, where it was a different dynamic. How now? Do you like uh, how do you like that? Do you, did you like it better when they were everybody was interacting, or do you like it better now that you can kind of there's, focus there's on There's positive and negative to both. Um, I definitely liked better that the celebrity was in the room with me. That I liked better. Um, mainly because most of the time I made sure it was Daisy Duke. Um, <laughs> um, but the the other thing is that uh, yeah, it changes, you know, the change, there, there are changes to the dynamic of not having, like it's neat to hear, I don't know, Lonnie Anderson get forced into a discussion with a ghost expert. It's just, it's just <laughs> like neat to put, you know, to put people on wobbly chairs like that, you know, with, on three-legged chairs, you know, it's just neat to do it. But um, the upside of the current version of the show is that there's more space. It, the show breathes better or differently. Um, also, some of the celebrities that you could tell when I'm doing the episode, you could probably listen to the episodes and see what I mean. There, Some are more comfortable with the paranormal stuff than others. You, you can tell which one's sort of feel like, yeah, this is part of why I came in to do the show. I'm excited about this. Like they're, they're eager to sort of, they're interested in the topics or they have their own take on it, their own incident. And they, you know, that's, this is part of what interested them about doing my show. Other ones you could tell, like when I say to them, all right, um, so we're about to talk to, uh, you know, Johnny Johnson from the Bigfoot, you know, club of Nevada, you know, you could tell the celebrities kind of like, all right, I'm going to check out now. Like, like they, they don't really <laughs> want to be associated with that. Like they, they sort of clam up for like a half hour and then get back to talking. You know, an example of that is um, I had Mike Damone, Robert Romanis from Fast Times at Richmond High. On. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And um, he was great. And I, I really liked that episode. Um, but you could hear in the paranormal portion of the show, he, kind of doesn't want any part of it now is that so i'm assuming then he's the one of the celebrities that did not have a story to share because yeah, I, because I up till yeah. the episodes that i've listened to all the celebrities have had probably way better stories than what you even expected yeah they uh, they usually are better than I, well they're usually not at all expected I, I we never screen them for that we never make that a requirement um so I'd say most times they surprise me. Sometimes I, I know, like say when we sit down to we're about to record the show, they might say to me, oh, I had a great uh, UFO incident. It really scared the wits out of me. And I'll go, hold on, hold on, hold on. Stop, stop. T tell me that on the show. Like that. And the first I'm finding out that they're going to tell me something like that is, you know, in the minute before we start. So sometimes I have a little bit of a tip that they have somewhere they want me to go with them like that. But some of the times I didn't know at all until it spontaneously happened. And yes, I think Romanus was one of the guys that had none of that. And so, you know what that tells me is he had probably the best story and didn't want to share it because he didn't want to come off as a nut job. That's I'm, what I, so I'm I calling think, him out right now. He was I, somewhat, he was kind of reserved. He had almost Damone's personality. He, oh, yeah, he yeah. was, fu it was funny. He's, he sounds just like Damone. Like it's not a put on voice. Mm -hmm. So you're really in a conversation with Damone and 
And I, it's, I don't do impressions. And one of the few impressions I can do reasonably well is Damone. Um, so I, I found myself, I found myself doing Damone straight to Damone back and forth. <laughs> and we were doing stereo Damones, you know, um, I think at one point I said to him, and I, I meant it because, like, you know, we usually offer the guest, you know, water or tea or coffee or whatever they want. And I think at some point in the first few minutes of the show, as Damone, I said to him, Would you like some lemonade? You know, <laughs> um, and, he, and, and, and then he, like, almost not even catching on that you're doing Damone because to him, that's a normal voice. I think he responded to something like, That sounds lovely. You know, <laughs> it was like back and forth. It was going on and on. It kept happening. Oh, that's spectacular. I mean, I, I listen, this, the, the, uh, the, the stars that you've talked to, I mean, and I know like our demographic is about, you know, the, they're people that most of the people that listen to our show are in our, and you and my demographic. You yeah, know, well, so well, they're gonna... natural. People are going to listen to somebody who has a point of view that they relate to, you know, in which. Mm-hmm. So if you're 25, you're going to have a certain kind of millennial point of view. If you're 55, you're going to have a certain kind of point of view that and, and you know, I would imagine that it's about relatability. You know, the, you know, the 22 year old wants to hear someone relatable talking to them about euphoria or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's so I so I'm fully, fully excited to uh, hear some feedback on our listeners that go check out some of these episodes, because it is like, I was listening to the one, um, the guy that plays Larry on three's company. Today. Oh, that's a great one. I was yeah, that's a great, it is, it is fantastic. It just took me right back to, um, you know, I totally related to your story about you missing three's company to go watch, go to the hockey games. And I just yep. like, Oh man, that was such a great night on television. To watch. Yep. Yep. It was, <laughs> the Islanders, I had Islanders season tickets as a kid. And, and the Islanders were always in conflict with Three's Company. Always in conflict with Three's Company. And then I, I kind of remember they were in conflict with Family Ties, too. So I, I liked that show at the time. I used to... Ah, okay. Thursday night. Um, Thursday night. must have been Ranger night. So, so, or Islander. You get, yeah, you were Islanders, Islanders. Islanders were Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays, if I recall. Oh, man. The, a couple oh, of the best, was, nights of te- best nights yeah. of television. Yeah, because the Rangers were like... Uh, yeah, the Rangers were the other days, like Sunday, you know, the alternate days of those, whatever those were. But, um, and, but which, the, which, and which is funny about the Three's Company one, and it dawned on me that John Ritter, I believe, went to college here in Ohio, not too far away. And the Regal Beagle is actually a bar in that college town here in Ohio. And that's where the name came from. For that's the bar interesting. There. I never knew that. See, I would, that's, if I knew that, I would have mentioned that to Larry from Three's Company. Um, and he wouldn't have known it either. But, but the... But the the did you catch that with Larry from Three's Company? We had it's Richard Klein, by the way. For those who yeah, are, yeah, yeah. Are, are, want to correct me on who his name, <laughs> but uh, when we had Richard on, we we um, we had him get a phone call from a, a, a cameo oh. A, oh. a cameo phone call from heaven from yeah. Mister Un Mister Unfurly, yeah, uh, which was the great Tom Becker, who's a comedian I know in L.A. that does really good impressions, and he one of the ones he does is Don Knotts really well. So I I had him call in as Mr. Unfurly and uh, Richard Klein loved that call. Um, I gotta, I gotta be honest with you. I would have much rather I'm, I'm right there with you. And if, you know, I do some writing myself, if you're ready to do the, uh, the pitch for Mr. Furley and Larry at the strip club, 
with a couple. I mean, that. Yeah, that, 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 that's a great example of a story that I've never heard him tell anybody that I got out of him. And that was what he's talking, what uh, you're talking about, Shane, is the Richard Klein told me that he and Don Knotts at, at the time of the show when they were doing Three's Company went to Vegas together for the weekend. And uh, they were at strip clubs all the time. And, and Don Knotts is a real womanizer. And there was, you know, women crawling off of them. They were drinking, gambling, strippers, women, you know, just crawling off of them. And and I and I just I had to kind of do a double take verbally, you know, and I just kind of stopped. And I said, hold on. So you're telling me Larry Dallas and Mr. <laughs> Furley. <laughs> went to Vegas together at the height of the show with girls crawling off them. And he goes, yeah, yeah, that is what I'm telling you. And, and that made some press. That was one of like six episodes that made it in the international press that got, that got some, some cool news press and stuff. Are we are now, are, did you check, did you double check to make sure that just wasn't an episode of three's company? Yeah. It sounds he, like, I mean, it's uh, like it's when the just, Brady bunch went to Hawaii or something. This yeah. How was, great. I mean, how great is it? They're both, basically in character <laughs> that's in fantastic that, yeah. that is that is um so <laughs> and you know you were talking about lonnie anderson earlier when it's funny with lonnie anderson that was one of the earlier episodes of the show i think it was like in the first five episodes and and when we booked lonnie we had already uh kind of been looking at wkrp and cincinnati people and lonnie was not our first thought because we thought she'll be too hard to get we thought like she's not going to be the one that's likely to do the show we were like we we thought like start with herb tarlick you know <laughs> and, uh, and and we ended up um after a couple you know attempts i you know i don't remember who uh finally maybe the third try we thought all right try lonnie anderson what the hell just spitball it out there and then that's who took the booking and then once we had lonnie secured we went back to some of the other three's company people to see if any of them want to come on with her. And it's, it was like immediate Tim Reed, Venus flytrap is like, I'll go anywhere. Lonnie is Lonnie's on the road. I'm on. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. And he's a great interview. Like yeah. I, like I mentioned, I, li I listened to um, um, WTF and I, Marin had him on and it was one of the best interviews ever with Tim, you know, listening to Tim Reed. He's fantastic. Yeah. yeah and we didn't, we didn't see that's a good example of, you know, like I like the spontaneity. This goes back to my Stern show days uh, before I was disc jockey. I was Howard's intern in, in the late eighties when the, when the staff was just me, Howard, Gary, Fred, Jackie, and Robin, that's it. There was no one else there. It wasn't like today where Howard has interns that don't even meet him. It was, I shared a desk with Howard. Um, and one of the things I learned there is, you know, the, you know, the spontaneity and you don't do things that aren't in front of the microphone and things like that. And, and so I did not tell Lonnie that Tim was coming on until, Ooh. until she was sitting there on mic, you know, it like I, we literally dropped on her and on the phone, you know, your friend, Tim, you know, like that, you know, that, that was all done right. That's all. That's awesome. So, so let's, so let's get back to the paranormal side of this. So, so why, what, oh, why don't you, what made what, me do this to be, what yeah. was your, yeah, yeah. what was your yeah. fascination, what's your uh, fascination with the paranormal? So yeah, it all, it all goes back. I told you the first podcast was in 2015, but the, but I had my own paranormal background and it based the earliest part of it is just the same as everybody's, 
you know, in our age group, which is, you know, as a mm-hmm. kid, I, as a kid, I liked, you know, Leonard Nimoy's In Search Of and things like that. Yep. Yep. Um, but, but, uh, you know, so I was, you know, interested in the topics from that perspective as a little kid, as a viewer and stuff. But later on in 2007, uh, fall of 2007, and I swear to God, Genesis ties into this. Um, I was on the East Coast to see Genesis. Let's be honest. Even if it didn't, you would find a way to. <laughs> yeah, but, might. but they, but they, but they really do. They really do. It's their fault again. Uh, I was on the East Coast to see Genesis in, in fall of 2007, and and my father had a house upstate New York. I'm from Long Island, so for me, home is Long Island. Um, and I and the shows I was seeing, the concerts I was seeing that week were in the New York metro area the Madison Square Garden Giant Stadium those things and then um but later that week I was there for like probably a week or so later that week we went upstate New York to to my father's like you know vacation-ish house uh with him and his his wife and my wife and I went up and um I've been there a million times but it, it's it's upstate New York uh several hours from the, in the New York metro and it's in the Adirondacks, whatever the hell mountains that is, and it's it it's on its own um, 55 acre mountain that he owns um, or used to own, uh, and the, the house was up on the top of the plateau in a clearing of the woods. But I'm but I mean way up. I mean the, the property's 55 acres. You have to go up a private, you know, cobblestone road through gates to get up up to the top of the mountain where the house is, and there's no neighbors. The, the nearest neighbor is like a mile the other way or something you know um and we were up there and uh in the middle of the night well late sorry late in the evening maybe 10 11 o'clock at night my wife was out on the balcony looking through the telescope at the stars and stuff up there it's so clear at night and she was standing there by herself and i was just sitting in the living room watching through the window and and i started noticing that she would like seemed spooked like she'd be looking through the telescope and then kind of stop like she hears something kind of look to her left look to her right then go back to the telescope then kind of look around again like yeah just looking spooked by something and she's not like that so then she she pops her head in and says to me that i i go what you know she says something weird's happening out here i feel like i'm being watched or whatever and, um and i said what are you talking about and she goes I, i'm hearing like noises and then like a rabbit runs by and like running for its life and then i and she, I, I want to come in now. And she comes in, and I, at this point, I don't know my Bigfoot stuff that well, so I, I, I didn't c- connect that to Bigfoot. I now understand like how that would tie to a Bigfoot incident, but I didn't at the time. Um, and fast forward to hours later, we're asleep, and this is a log cab in the middle of the woods. We're asleep, and uh, about three in the morning, something pounds on the wall next to our heads. I mean, like a, I mean, a pounding, nothing normal could do, like it would, it would shatter your hand into dust if you ever hit something this hard. Boom, 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 that kind of thing. Um, and the pounding was right near the window where we were sleeping, you know, you know, probably 10 feet plus in height. And any normal person would say to me right now, okay, so you jumped up and opened the window and what'd you see? And that's not what we did. It was, you know, when you get woken out of a dead sleep in the pitch dark and then quiet of the woods i don't know you're just so so asleep that you just maybe other people would have but we didn't for whatever reason pop the blinds open 
we just kind of jumped up like, ah, you know, nearly heart attack, woken up, you know, and looked at each other and went, the hell is and just our heads fell back to the pillow. Just you, we didn't sit up and tip the blinds. In hindsight, I'm glad we didn't because I'd still be unconscious in that room right now um, because I would have been face to face with something. Um, and we didn't. Now, the next day I asked my father if he if anything weird happened on his side of the house. We had something pounded on the wall last night and he goes, no. And then I started asking him, nothing weird ever happened up here. And, and and he starts just telling me like he's kind of the, my father's ex cop and he and he's just kind of matter of factly telling me these things, not realizing the significance of them. But he's telling me these things like nah, nothing really. I mean, a couple of times it was a, I found a dead deer like over on the trail over there or the, he would just have weird stories that again, I didn't know my Bigfoot stuff well enough to know then. But I now know that he's describing Bigfoot kills. Broken neck a deer with a broken neck those sort of things um and he they used, to, they used to have a dog that they would uh put in the dog run outside and like the dog would be terrified and 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 like the, the dog wasn't really you know generally like that like i realize now the different things that they're describing to me were going on um anyway fast forward to I don't know how many months later, but somewhere, around, you know, not long after I get more into the Bigfoot topic for whatever reason, I start reading up on it. Maybe I become interested in, I don't remember what provoked it. It was probably that incident got me like reading up on what that could have been. And it got me reading more on Bigfoot. And I started watching finding Bigfoot a lot. And I started realizing this incident didn't, wasn't that off the, you know, the path of things that happened on finding Bigfoot incidents, Bigfoot pounding on the wall, those sort of things. Um, Monster Quest I was watching around that time probably. Anyway, um, that causes me to report the incident to the BFRO. And the guy calls me, the investigator for that area calls me and he interviews me for like an hour and a half and he's asking me all these crazy detailed questions and and then he calls me back the next day with follow-up questions, like another 45 minutes of questions. And uh, I now know because I've become friendly with Matt Moneymaker that Matt's read the report in their database and it's, you know, it's Matt considers it a valid Bigfoot incident. It's not a eyewitness sighting, which they'd call a class A sighting. They classify them, but it's whatever the hell classification they would call something that they don't have any other explanation for. They think a Bigfoot is the likely thing, but I didn't eye to eye see it. Now, what I also didn't know at the time is that the house we're talking about where this was upstate New York was very, very close to Whitehall, New York, a notorious Bigfoot mm -hmm. hunter. Yeah. Was yeah. within the house was within 30 minutes of that. Um, and I, I did those are not things I understood at the time, but I, I now can tell you this was in the general area of that. So Matt has this, you know, has this down as a Bigfoot incident. Um, and I, I agree with them because I don't have any other explanation for what in the world that could have been. You know, when I tell skeptics this story, they say, well, I mean, couldn't a deer have done that? Yeah. I mean, really? I, I, the deer would have been laying there unconscious, legs up. I mean, he, he rammed himself into the wall like a freight train three times at 10 feet in height in the middle of the night. What did he leap to do that? Exactly. How did he do that? You know, um, same same with a bear. Like, like, like it doesn't make any Nothing about any other explanation makes sense. And given the geography where I was in, the, in, in relation to Whitehall and things like that, uh, and, uh, you know, when you sort of put the various dynamics of that story together, you get 
you get a big finance in. And anyway, that that led to my interest in it. Well, I mean, in if you li- I mean, I listen to a lot of Bigfoot podcasts, and especially uh, Wes on Sasquatch Chronicles. That's the one thing he says. He goes, when you start, when you start making, you know, going through all the things that it could be, and suddenly they sound more ridiculous than just saying, "Hey, look, it was a Bigfoot." Mm-hmm. That's when you know, like like a deer running into the ca- cabin. That's that's crazy. Three times I mean, in a row, bang, well, bang, the, bang. The deer would be there. Yeah. He also, but it, everything's wrong with it. The pace of it is wrong. Bang, bang, bang. Doesn't that's not the right pace of running into the thing. It, it would have been bang, fall back, dot, 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 bang, fall back, dot, 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 dot. You know, not bang, bang, bang. It also wouldn't have been at ten feet in height unless he's leaping into the thing. And how? And and now you're going to say, okay, three deer did it. So three deer leapt into the wall <laughs> at 10 feet height. All of them survived this this smash into the wall, uh, and they all did this for no reason. Because what, they were in a Jim Jones deer deer cult. What what exactly? They were training. They were training for the tryouts for Santa Claus's sled. Yeah, yeah. I mean, nothing. Nothing else starts making <laughs> sense. You know, the, the, someone might say to me, a person. Okay, what person? wandered a couple thousand feet in the air up to the top of a private property uh, mountain, 55 acres in, to the clearing of a house in the middle of the night, uh, climbed a ladder, smashed their hand into the wall three times at 10 feet in height, so hard that their hand would have been, would have been shattered into dust and they'd, they'd forevermore uh, be in you know arm traction with metal around their arms. Um, what human did that and what human would have risked their lives doing that? Well, and, and people that say that have never been out in the middle of nowhere. Okay. And don't realize that people just don't mess around. Like if you're out in the middle of nowhere, if you're like, you're going to sneak up on a cabin like that, you're sneaking up, sneaking up on a cabin like that to rob it, not to just go beat on the side of it. Because usually people in the middle of nowhere have shotguns or rifles. Right. Let me also <laughs> remind you, this is a heavy log cabin. This is not something that you really can beat on the side on. In other words, a human being beating on the side of this thing, I don't think would be audible. You're talking about thick, yeah. you know, thick four, three, four foot dense logs this thing was built of. You know, I don't think you would have heard a human hitting it. Um, wow. And, it's, it's, it, and this is not a campground. This is private property. You're 55 acres, private property, 2,000 feet in the air at this place. So did you, once you started doing oh, some let me, of your let me, let me take back to 2,000 because there's going to be some technophile who's going to go, there are no mountains in New York that are 2,000. I'm <laughs> taking a wild Los Angeles guess when I say 2,000. <laughs> you know, maybe the top of a mountain in the New York area upstate is more like 1,000 or 900. Okay, fine. Shut the fuck up. That's what it was instead. Um, it, it just... It was whatever height the New York mountains are. Forget the number I just told you. It's still it's still not a human being that did it. Well, so once you started like doing a little more research and then actually talking to the BFR, did you go back to your dad and say, "Hey, look"? Yes. Remember that? It, it, what yes, what was his reaction? What was his reaction? His was a typical ex-New York cop reaction, like you know, like he always anything I say to him, he always sort of acts like I'm crazy, no matter what topic it is. So. Like I'm his eccentric son, you know, on any, on any topic, you know? So uh, his reaction was, you know, somewhere in that family or something like, all right. Okay. All right. Goodbye, David. You know, like, like he ended the call or something, you know, like not mad at me. Just like he's heard enough of my nonsense for that. He's got to get back to the giant game. That kind of thing. 
he's he, he's annoyed right, that right. Uh, now he has to face the fact that he may have a Bigfoot out there. No, he doesn't. He doesn't face that as a fact. He he he, he just he, he hears me as like kind of a nut job, and he just like okay. All right, the Yankees are in the ninth inning. I have no time for this. It's that kind of thing. So uh, do you ever expect hit the phone call from him that says, you know what? You might have been right because this no. is what. No. no. No? Never? No. Never? <laughs> no, I don't. And, uh, and, and he actually sold that house a couple years after the incident, like within, let's say, three years of the incident. He sold that house. Um, and. Yeah, because he was tired of being agitated by Bigfoot. No, it, 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 well, that's that I would have sold the house long before for that reason. But he, maybe it wasn't three years. It could have been more than three years. But it was, you know, sometime after, you know, say five, seven years. It, within a few years of that incident, he sold the house, and um, it, he hit the he owned that property since the late '60s, and the house was built like in the late '70s, early '80s. So the house was there since like let's say '79, '80. Uh, and then he sold it, uh, you know, several years after that incident. So he no longer lives there. Oh, that, it, it, listen, that makes, I know, you know, my dad was hardheaded and he would never want to admit that I was right about something. So it makes me wonder if maybe he did experience something and he's like, uh, you know what? I'm not telling, I'm not telling him that he was right. I'm just gonna sell the house. And get out of here. Not no, that that's not my father. My my, my father <laughs> my father would is not the type that would really believe this or buy into this. It would really actually take a Bigfoot standing there, you know, I'm talking about standing there, like staring at him as clearly as any human being could be staring at him from ten feet away for him to comprehend that. Hey, listen, what Maybe it did. I'm just throwing it out there. I'm just throwing it out there that maybe that's what happened. I think if that never... happened, I think if that happened, he would have told me. Okay. All right. All right. All right. I'll go. I'll, I'll... So, yeah. <laughs> so, so then that, so then that sighting and then doing the research leads you to want to talk more about the sub and then, and then you're in California. Right. Well, you know, I get, I get increasingly into the subject after that, around that time. Yeah. I start getting really into it. Like I start, I started becoming a, an avid Bigfoot book reader shortly after that, after the, after giving my report to the BFRO. And, and, and like, I just really started getting really into it. Like, like, like I needed Bigfoot anonymous. Um, <laughs> and, and I, I remember I was like always, you know, taking out books from the LA library on Bigfoot. I didn't want to buy like hundreds of Bigfoot books. I was always like shopping the LA library system for Bigfoot books and like having them sent to the nearest library to me, you know, and going grabbing them. And I remember being on a few vacations in the Caribbean in Mexico and sitting there with my wife, with my wife at like a nice resort. And she's reading like normal things that grown people read, you know, like, like whatever book, you know, a woman be reading on the beach. And I'm next to her, like with a book, like, you know, could that have been a Bigfoot? Like the cover is like a Bigfoot, like looking at you through like a tree line, like, like, and like people are walking by, you know, this five-star resort on the beach. And like, that's what the husband is reading. It looked ridiculous. You know, you know though, it's the, the best thing about podcasts and stuff is I think is finally becoming a little more, I think it's becoming a lot more mainstream and people are becoming a lot more comfortable coming forward and telling their experiences. I mean, I, it certainly th seems that way to me. Yeah, I would say that that's true. I mean, the, the, you know, their whole TV network's dedicated to this subject now. I mean, they should change their name. Bill Maher was right when he talked about that a few weeks ago. He was talking about all these networks that kept their name and then stopped doing what their name is. You know, like, 
<laughs> you know, I mean, like, how? Why in the world is Travel Channel still called the Travel Channel? Like, what? On what planet are they? Any? They have nothing to do with travel. You know? um, Absolutely. But, but, but uh, yeah, it, no, but you're right that it's gotten much more mainstream. You're right. Now, now that you okay, so you live out in California. Do you? I've noticed you call yourself an enthusiast, which I have called myself that many times because I'm not going out looking for anything. Right. Is that the same way that you kind of exactly? View in fact, yeah, you're the first guy I've talked to hosting a show in this genre who has that same point of view as me. Like, you know, I'm just, I'm watching this whole thing from the couch. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, I've got drug out. I got drug out one time. And something happened, and I'm just like, look, this is why I'm not going out. Because what am I going to do if I see one? Okay, I hear, I've had people call me and be guests on our show that have had sightings 40, 50 years ago, and it shook them up so bad. It took them that long to come forward and tell their stories because they thought they were crazy. You know, they thought them of themselves as crazy. Did I really see this? Well, I don't want to. I don't really want to go out into the woods and come face to face with a nine foot tall. Yeah. We're, uh, we're of the same point of view on this. And, and yeah. um, now I've had things happen in my life that in one case forced me to be involved more deeply than that, uh, than I'd want to be. And then the, in the other case didn't force me, but I turned down something that anyone listening to this show would be thinking, you turned that down. Like what's wrong with you? Uh, the thing that forced me was the TV deal. Um, you know, when I, when I had the TV pilot thing going, I, I, we had to go film for a week and I, you know, was much more on the ground involved in this stuff than I would want to be. Um, the thing I turned down was after Matt Moneymaker and I became friendly, he asked me to go with him to his, to a personal Bigfoot area that he keeps secret, that he has incidents at all the time. And he's like, uh, I think it was like, you know, we were talking like on a Wednesday afternoon and he's like, come on down Friday, just drive down. And, uh, you know, I, he only lives a couple hours from me. So he was like, you know, drive down and, um, you know, we'll go in my car, you know, I have an SUV and you, I'm telling you, you're going to see something that night. We'll just sit there and it's, it's a private spot that I only, I know about. I don't reveal where this place is, but I, I want you to see this cause it's unbelievable. And I was like, nah, 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 you, you go and tell me about it. You know, he's like, and, and, and then I remember saying to him something like, you know, if I could throw a camera crew together quick enough and that is the TV show, then I can go. That that would be the basis for doing that. But if we're talking about just me and you are going and this is not on camera and I'm just because I want to experience this, you have the wrong man for the job. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And we and, and and I'll tell you, so we so one of the guys that was the reason we started the show is one of my friends. He's, we call him the judge cause he's an actual judge here in our County. Okay. And he had a dog man experience when we were in high school many years ago, he actually went to law school with moneymaker at Akron university. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he always says he would always, you know, the judge, he's always like, you know, we'd have like study group or we'd be sitting there and he'd be like, uh, everybody'd say, Hey, what are you doing this weekend? Or what'd you do this weekend? He goes, Moneymaker would always say, ah, I'm going to go do some camping. He goes, never once did he say, hey, I'm going to go look for Bigfoot. Right, right. right. <laughs> but well, that's yeah, where well, I think he had well, one of something those. something you would say, you would say yeah. at that time. 
Um, yeah. And but I think that's where he had one of his first, his very first sighting was near uh, when he was going to law school there. It was just south there. In well, the he's, he's, he's the real deal. I mean, I, I've said to him on my show um, that he's the most authentic Bigfoot guy. He's the real deal. He's, he is the Steve Irwin of Bigfoot. Now, does he, so I know a lot of the, the BFRO guy, you know, like that. How should I say it? The line they tow is that Bigfoot's nothing but a flesh and blood creature, either, a, you know, a relic hominid or, or, you know, an ape that's undiscovered. Now, is that what you get from him, that that is all he believes it is? Or, or is there any room for there might be something maybe paranormal in some of the cases? Um, he is definitely much more open-minded than that. In fact, in the last interview I did with him, he's the only paranormal guy I've had on twice because we don't do that many episodes. So um, it's like maybe once. Yeah, I was gonna. Doing, I was gonna yeah. complain about that, but go ahead. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, the, the show is <laughs> the show. You know, gets we get legit celebrities on the show, like you know Lonnie Anderson and and, and Peter from the Brady Bunch, and uh, you know whoever I'm having on this week or next week is not. They're not the easiest people to just come by, like left and right. And it's not as even. I live in LA, but it's not as dime a dozen as that. You can't just <laughs> at will snap your fingers and go, David Spade, get in here. You know, they, they, they're not you know as simple to book as you know, you know, regular sort of people are. So, so between that and the fact that the show is done in a real, you know, real studio in LA, an actual high end studio, and there's, you know, there's production elements, there's advertisers, and blah blah blah. You know, it, it's not a show that at the moment can be put together, you know, with tremendous frequency, you know, it, it takes like kind of a month to throw one together. Um, but that said, uh, I had Matt on twice because Matt was on one of the early episodes, like one of the first three. Uh, and then he's on again in a very recent episode. And in the recent one, we went down the road. You're talking about, we talked about some of my theories about other things. Bigfoot's could be, and he's much more open-minded to that than than uh, than you know the the perspective you you were just talking about. Well, I that made me want because I've heard. I mean, I've heard people talk that you know they they've given reports to the BFRO and and included some of that stuff, and then in the final report, it's all gone. It's like whitewashed out of there. And I, you know, and and I just. I mean, I don't know that. I don't know if they're doing that. I didn't ask him that, but I know, I know he's more open-minded than 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 that point of view. Uh, one, I'm just remembering. I totally forgot. I did this, but I'm just remembering that, um, like, not very long after he was on my show the first time, when I started having a pretty good rapport with him off the air, um, I was being interviewed on some other podcast, and I knew going into that podcast before I went on, it it wasn't a paranormal show. It wasn't a show that has any you know, thematic overlap, like yours overlaps with mine. It wasn't like that. The, the podcast I was going on to be a guest on in that case was totally off that subject, you know, but I knew they were going to talk to me about my career and me and that that stuff would come up. And I knew there would be skepticism that, that they would take a very skeptical, you know, average person point of view on it. I knew it. And so I prepared him in advance off, you know, off, you know, without them knowing it, I told him a day before what I'm doing and, to be ready for this. And when I w was on that podcast and they started razzle dazzling me with the, what's the wrong word, but sort of, you know, trying to hit me with the, uh, 
you know, yeah. skeptical questions and, you know, trying to expose that. I, I don't know what I'm talking about. And it's all, of course, it was a human being, whatever nonsense they would, you know, regular people would say to you in these cases. Um, I said to them at some point after like a bunch of that, I go, all right, you know what? Um, and in like a Woody Allen kind of move, like where he grabs the guy off the line during the movie theater line. I just went, you know, let me have someone else, else handle this for me. And they'll, they'll satisfy all your skepticism. And I dialed that moneymaker into the show. <laughs> <laughs> That's spectacular. <laughs> that is spectacular. It's good. It's good to have friends and have their numbers. That's yeah. true. <laughs> I just stuck him into the. I told him I was going to do it, but I did it. It actually it's really funny. It was just uh, funny to go. Listen, you know all your stupid questions. Here's the host of Finding Bigfoot. Let him handle it. <laughs> what are they going to say? They're probably like, "Man, this is great. This is, yeah. this is fantastic." So, is there someone asking? So. Have you any UFO, any 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 ghost experiences or not? You? Ghost not ghost not so much. I mean that I could for sure tell you was that you know uh, UFO. Yes, uh, I've talked about this uh, in the last uh, year or so on some other show. I don't recall, but I, I I haven't talked about it all that much. So your your audience is probably the second audience to hear this one. Um, I was driving in LA. I don't know five years ago or thereabouts. Rough guess. Um, and I always, when I tell this story, I always like uh, to really lay out for the person listening the streets I was on so they can Google Earth it along with me and they can understand, you know, they can street view it and go, okay, I, I can see through his eyes now. So for those of you playing along at home, I was driving on uh, Victory Boulevard in Los Angeles uh, in the San Fernando Valley uh, approaching Sepulveda Boulevard. Um, heading to a meeting, a TV meeting in Burbank. And uh, it was mid-afternoon on a weekday of her call. And when I was facing east, so, this, so I'm saying all this for the guy who's Google Earthing this with me right now. I was facing east on Sepulveda. I'm sorry, on Victory, uh, facing Sepulveda. Uh, and I first noticed, while I'm at that light, I noticed in the sky little silver dots, maybe a half dozen of them, kind of changing positions from each other. One goes right, one goes left, another one zigzags over here, and this one goes over there. They're kind of oscillating around each other, changing positions. There were very small dots in the sky in the dead east of where I was, you know, where I was looking straight east in the sky. Um, so they would have been like roughly over Burbank or something. Um, and they were very high up, it looked like to me, you know, glinting on, in the sunlight a little bit, but really small moving around. And and I'm thinking, that's really strange. And then I'm watching it through the whole light sequence while I'm waiting to make a, you know, a turn or whatever I was going to do. And I, I made my right turn onto Spalvita, and I decided to pull over really quickly. And I pulled over, I remember, into like a parking lot right near there that was in front of like a paint store or something. And I parked my car in the little spots there where you're facing east still. So like basically I created a permanent traffic light situation where I'm just staring east. And continued to watch this for another several minutes. And I think I called my wife and told her what I'm watching. And, and then after a few more minutes of this, I you know, hung up with her and I decided I, I need to keep driving because I, I you know, had a certain time I had to be at a meeting. So I thought, let me just stay on the surface streets and keep driving east and I'll probably still have eyes on this thing because I'm going directly at it the whole way that I got to keep going. So I, uh, I continued heading east 
and it wasn't very long, like maybe half a mile further before I lost sight of them. And I don't know if they actually flew away and vanished or I just lost sight of them in the sky. As you drive, you just sort of somehow lost their position because they were so tiny in the sky. Uh, I don't, rec you know, I don't know ex exactly how they were lost, if they were literally left or if they just were lost to my eye, but they, they no longer were visible to me. Now, after that incident, I looked at videos online trying to describe like on YouTube what I'd seen to see if I could see anything that looks like what I saw. And I was stunned to see that there were many UFO videos that were really basically identical to what I saw. Wow. And so, and so that's like, when did you say that happened? About a year and a half ago? No, I want to say it's at least five years ago. Five years ago? Okay. It, it's hard for me to remember exactly when, but I'd say at least five years ago. Okay. And so since then, of course, we've had whatever disclosure we want to consider it with, you know, the military coming out and the Pentagon coming out with uh, that, that there's off-word vehicles in our possession. So, and, and then the, obviously the Tic Tac video. So how does that, did that like at the time when you saw it, were you like, did I really see something? And did it make you feel better when, uh, you know, not that anything the government does makes us feel better, but it'd make you feel better when they came out and said, hey, no, look. No, nothing man. about the government disclosures enlightened me. I mean, anyone who's you know read up on these things and watched enough shows and read enough books knows that this stuff's going on. And, um, you know, there's no way the, the videos, the Tic Tac videos and things, you know, made it any clearer to me. It just, it, it was just, it was just the government acknowledging what I already know. That's good. Yeah, that's good. So, um who who's on your wish list like who who would be other than i mean other than phil collins that, that was the answer that's the first the first name first name that came into my head is i as soon as you went to that question i you know my head danced around with it for a second and that was the first name that hit my head yeah so he would be so he would be the ultimate get for you yep. for yep. so so on the paranormal side who would be somebody that you would really like to get on the show because it seems like you got you have a lot of acts. I mean, Moneymaker might open up a whole, you know, a lot of people you can get on the show. Yeah, well, so, I had Bobo on the old show. Um, the community talking about Bigfoot. Bobo was on the last episode of that one, um, and then Matt's been on this one a few times. And I would say Matt would have been the answer to that question. Um, I would, if you know, if I if I never had Matt on the show, I think Matt would have been my answer to your question. So I've maybe, I've maybe already had the person. Why, why do you even do the show anymore? You're almost practically like exhausted. Anything that was interesting to you. Yeah, you're You've right. To... <laughs> you're right. I'm, uh, on to another show. I'm done. <laughs> um, well, so um, before we, uh, before we sign off here, cause this has been a fantastic, I mean, this is fantastic. I think you could tell stories all day. Um, do you want to kind of give all of our listeners a breakdown? Like what if they want to go see you perform comedy? Do they got to go? Do they got to only I'm can see you in I'm LA? Reti I'm retiring from that. No, uh, <laughs> no, really, I'm not doing much stand up right now. All kidding aside, I'm not. Um, you know, COVID obviously stopped that dead in its tracks when it happened. And then, and then I never really got back to doing a lot of stand up. I'm not that interested in that world this moment, at this moment. I did a lot of years of that. I've done a lot of it. And it's just not really where my head is at at this moment. So I'm not doing a lot of live stand up right now at all. Um, Yes, there are plenty of new podcast episodes coming. I'm about to record a new one in a few days. Um, we have a famous TV actress, yet another hot chick. 
um, booked right. for that booked for that one. Uh, and we have uh, uh, another very interesting paranormal guest for that one. So the, the next episode is going to be good, uh, and that'll come out, you know, for, probably before the end of the month. Um, and uh, and there'll be plenty of podcast episodes to come. As far as live performance goes, stand up probably not right now at the moment. Uh, and then I'd like to see the podcast de- develop a live thing. I wouldn't. I'd be I'd be perfectly open to the podcast doing live, you know, some type of live uh, theater stuff. I think that would be um, actually your format would be awesome to have, to, you know, to have a. a celebrity there an actor actress musician whatever and kind of do a question and answering in front of a live audience and then bring out a yeah i think that would be fantastic yeah it, it would work really well and i and i have a lot of ideas for it and I, the funny thing is that um several of the celebrities that have been on the show are so into it they're they, they love the topic and they're so into it so they're they're so into it that they i really genuinely got the impression that they would be thrilled to co-host this show every episode and <laughs> and i do think they would you know eagerly participate in like a live concert situation an example of that is, is daisy duke Catherine bach yeah. who who loved the show and like i think genuinely would, would co-host it if i asked her to um and by the way speaking of you know great questions that i ask people that are get something out of people that no one else you know we've talked about richard klein and the mr furley story we talked about uh, some other one earlier i forget which one um uh but katherine bach daisy duke is somebody that i got something out of it, to me it was obvious but i knew no one ever asked her this because she just it just you know she, it's just not the kind of thing they would have the nerve to ask but i knew it's the thing you me and any anyone else with eyes would be interested in and so it's the thing does i she asked still her. wear the shorts does no she, not does she no. still wear them more important what was she wearing under them <sighs> i think isn't that it's not the answer <laughs> no i wanted a play by play the answer isn't that answer obvious and isn't good enough i wanted to break down photographs <laughs> and what I and, and I got all that from her. I got a detailed play by play. She took her phone out, started showing me pictures of her underwear. Um, and it was one of the greatest days ever. Um, <laughs> I think I announced, uh, you know, while she was showing me the underwear pictures, that that's it. I'm retiring. This is that I have no reason to continue at this point. Um, I am gonna, I am gonna have to send that. I, I have a friend in the that I do music, and uh, one of my friends who I do that with was actually at uh an event with Catherine bach it was for a dukes of hazard thing and and you know he keeps in touch with her and he said she was just the most gracious lovely woman he said it was fantastic yeah she's really really into these topics she's really into it i mean like she was the she was one of the guests that i really remember when i when we went to the paranormal guy she was on one of the episodes where we were still doing in in person was pre-covid and she was one of those guests that when we went to the paranormal guy when it was like okay now it's time to talk to john stevens from the ufo network like she practically was like, oh great, this is what I've been waiting for. Like she couldn't wait to talk to the <laughs> Like I'm done talking about the Dukes of Hazard right, in my right, underwear. Right, right. I want to talk about. Oh god, that's fantastic. Why? Well, I hey, I know I can't, I can't wait to hear the new episodes. But I, I'm going to get a chance to go back and listen to. Now I can go back to the beginning since now I've heard your Bigfoot story. 
and listen to the one with Seth Breedlove from well, the Well, you may not beginning. want to listen to that one because that I think that one I retell this story. One of the no, first, but I, but see, I don't want to be surprised. Maybe, maybe it's a, not that one. It'll be a, one of the first few episodes. It may be the moneymaker one. I do retell this story because I because I needed to establish it to you know to the audience, and I I could swear it's it's one of those first few episodes, either Breedlove or Moneymaker. Well, I, I thought I heard you mention that you told it to Breed Love and he wasn't impressed. So right, and then maybe, I, and then maybe I ran it by Moneymaker to get uh, you know a more valid thought from it. Well, as soon as we get as soon as we get off of here, I'm texting Seth and I'm gonna say, dude, that was one of the best Bigfoot stories I've ever heard. It's better than anything you're doing on Small Town Monsters. So well, I don't he, know he was weirdly skeptical of the whole Bigfoot thing in general. I remember th- saying to him on my show when he kind of basically revealed that he had like a lot of skepticism about Bigfoot. I remember like kind of cutting him off and going, all right, thanks for coming. Uh, you know, well, like, he, like, like we were done with him. You know? Well, we, he was just, um, cause he's been on our show and then, and then we just filmed, he's got a new, uh, he just had a new documentary or whatever come out, um, about UFOs, but the next one, American werewolves, me and the judge, me and the judge are on. He were in the, we're in this documentary come out and he was here filming, um, at our family's farm. And he and I were getting ready to walk down into the woods. And this is like in December. Um, and he, he, we're getting re- he looks at me and he goes, I just saw one. I go, I go, what? And he goes, yeah, I, I just, I finally saw a Bigfoot. I finally saw one myself. And I'm like, was blown away. I'm like, well, first okay, of all, that, getting- that's interesting. That's yeah, so he, he has. I remember being kind of stunned by his him. skepticism. Remember, I remember yeah. thinking. I think I said to him, "So wait a minute, you're making like movie after movie yep. on this subject that you don't buy into." Like I remember just everything about it seeming weird to me. Yeah, he he had not seen one. If you go and, and now it's all of a sudden turned into a plug for small town monsters. But on their YouTube channel, they just they started a series, um, and I can't remember the exact name, but it's all about uh, this property in Eastern Ohio where they kind of, where they live around and, um, going to this is this property's got a lot of action. And he finally, he's, he sees one in daylight, sees one crossing through a, uh, natural gas line where it was cut out through the woods. And I mean, he basically jumps off a moving four wheeler because, Oh my, he saw one. Well, I'm, I'm kind of glad that happened to him. Uh, yeah, I, I, I can tell you that we, Staying in his universe in the Seth Breedlove world, we just one of the last couple episodes we did, we just had Lyle Blackburn on. Yes, I heard that one. I heard that one. Yes, yes, he's he's uh, and you're right, he's kind of a rock star. He's yeah, kind of a rock. yeah, I, I saw him as like uh, he's like an unusual Bigfoot, like a Bigfoot guy with charisma. <laughs> yes, yes, he is. I mean, hey, look, if you want to have a, a guy on with charisma, get Stacy Brown on. We had him. Uh, no, actually, he wasn't on this show. He was on the old one. The, he was on the old one. Oh yeah, gosh. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Stacy Brown is a is quite a character. I lo- yeah, he's, uh, he's definitely on uh, comedians talking about people, people. Now, can speaking of that, can you find those episodes anywhere? Yeah, those are still up. I'm pretty sure those are up. I mean, those there used to be a there used to be a website dedicated to to that show. Uh, there's not anymore to my knowledge, but I'm, I don't think the hosting is gone. I think I think the you know the, the the episodes I think still are online. Okay, all right, cool. Well, well, David, hey, I am so glad you took the time to come on and uh, and share your experiences and talk about the. I mean, look, let's be honest. I can talk about Bigfoot anytime. I love. Let's talk about the Dukes of Hazard Three's company. 
um, you know, that's, uh, that's, that's great. I, I, hope, I hope our, our listeners enjoyed that trip. That memory. Check out the, uh, the shadow Stevens episode that I did as one of, one of my personal favorites. He, he was a great guy and another guy really into the UFO thing. He, he gave me a whole like serious story that he, he believes as a teenager, he worked for aliens at one point in his life. What? Okay. All right. Okay. We got, we got, all right. I'm speechless. I'm speechless. Like almost like a almost like a coneheads kind of situation. Like where he, like a family of aliens that live near him that he now thinks were aliens. I listen. That's fantastic. You totally sold that episode. I I, I may go listen to it right afterwards. And of course, after you, I text Seth Breedlove, then I'm going to go listen. And to of course, the because he shot a Stevens, I had him count down America's top five months. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic <laughs> that's fantastic uh, well everybody go check out monstrosity on anywhere you listen to podcasts and uh let's let's support another great show you know that's all i can say so thanks david for uh for hanging out with me for a little bit thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the from the shadows podcast until next time Never shy away from the darkness or what may be lurking in the shadows. We are out. <laughs>